Okay, it's great to, as ever, to be together to worship and to be able to, uh, to praise our, our faithful God. Um, I've been uh, spending a bit of time in the garden over the last few weeks. So the weather is doing all sorts of crazy things to the garden. Everything seems to be growing very well. Often things grow that you don't want to grow in the places where you don't want to grow them. Uh, so I've been spending a bit of time out in the garden, lots of watering. Uh, it's been fantastic to have uh, the sunny weather we have been having, but been doing lots of watering. Um, and in particular, there's, there's been a couple of things that I've really been focusing on. The first thing uh, is that we have a, a bay tree um, that when we moved, we moved home about five months ago, and we bought it with us. And the reason we bought this bay tree with us is because uh, it's the same bay tree that my mum used to make the buttonholes for, for me and my groomsmen at our wedding. So I feel, I feel a sentimental attachment to a plant. Has anyone ever felt a sentimental attachment to a plant? This is the first time I've experienced it, so I'm not sure if it's normal or not. Uh, but uh, we, we've had this bay tree, and uh, the move has not been kind to the bay tree. And it seems to be struggling. It's been struggling a little bit. It turned a, a really really unhealthy shade of, of, uh, of brown and it was not looking good at all uh, and I wasn't quite sure what to do but uh, in and amongst it there was some new growth coming through had a chat with my dad he just told me to be brutal and cut it right back so I pretty much it's like you know got the clippers out gave it a buzz cut completely uh, so it's looking stripped back but it's looking healthy it was a pretty severe pruning of that tree that's one of the things I've been doing and then also noticed recently that our lawn is looking a bit tired in places is anyone else's lawn looking like this just because of the amount of sunshine we've been having I think it's looking worn uh, dry tired uh, some areas where the grass is looking thinner so I thought let's be responsible let's uh, take care of the lawn so we bought some lawn thickener uh, so it's a mix of lawn feed and grass seed and if it works, I'm told on the pack it says that it should it reinvigorates grass and adds new life to your lawn. That sounds good, right? So uh, I've been applying that to the lawn, uh, spreading it about. We have to water it often, uh, take care of it, uh, and I think you're meant to do it a few times throughout the year, so you're meant to keep coming back uh, and doing it. Now we, uh, I will come back to that in a second, because we've, uh, as a church, we've been starting a new series called Church Matters. We're looking at all things church, exploring all things church together and as I've been considering it and particularly in the preparation time of, uh, of, of bringing the series together and over this week as I've been preparing for this morning I felt, do you know what, sometimes um, either sermons or, or what God's doing in us individually or corporately can feel like a season of pruning, you know, cutting out things that aren't helpful to enable new stuff to grow through. Sometimes it can be fairly heavy sort of pruning and although I don't want to limit what God wants to do with us by no means, I, I feel actually this series is less like a, a heavy pruning kind of series and more like an opportunity to feed on the word, to look again at who the church is, what God thinks about the church, how we should think about the church. And I really feel that what God wants to do, like that, that grass feed, is almost to, to reinvigorate. If we're feeling perhaps tired or worn, maybe a bit jaded about, about church or um, anything around that, actually what God wants to do is to reinvigorate us, to bring new life, to kind of uh, build on what's already there but to, to, to reinvigorate that. And perhaps, I know for me, as I've been, been studying and, and preparing, there are also things that are new that I'm trusting will take root and will grow. And as we kind of come to the word and, and trusting that those seeds will be deposited, actually we're also trusting that the Holy Spirit will work in us daily, uh, kind of watering what's been sown throughout the week and actually really trusting that what God will do is that sense of reinvigorating us for the church, that if we are feeling worn or tired, that there's a new, a sense of new life 
and new excitement coming through. My experience, uh, I've, my, my parents got saved into this church when I was just a few months old. So I've grown up in the church. I've been in and around the church for pretty much all of my life, apart from those couple of months. And, and you can kind of get used to the way things are. You do church sometimes because that's what you do. It's part of, of, of your routine. It's part of what you do. And, but actually, tell you what, preparing for the series has been, done me so much good. And I feel like, I do feel like the, the areas that have maybe been a bit worn, a bit faded, there's a sense of really rejuvenation. And that's what my heart is for all of us. Because the church is wonderful. Because the church is God's plan for his people. And what I hope is that all of us kind of catch hold of, of something, that sense of that, that replanting, reigniting something, reinvigor- reinvigorating for each one of us. Now, the first two weeks, we were looking really at a big picture view of the church. We started off thinking about Jesus and his church, the relationship between Jesus and his church. And then last week, James was speaking on uh, what it means to be united in Christ, how uh, how the church is made up of brothers and sisters who have been united with Christ. And because we've been united with Christ, we're united to one another as well. God is making one new humanity for himself. Uh, And really, when we're talking about the big picture, you may hear the church sometimes being talked about as the universal church. So we're talking about all of God's people across time. So the universal church, God's people. But this week, we're going to zoom in a bit more into this big picture. We're going to look more at the local expression of the church, okay? So we're going to think about the local church. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to Hebrews 10, uh, it will be coming up on the screens as well. But while you're finding your way there, maybe it's worth asking yourself the following questions. I'm not expecting answers, uh, but just be something to think of. I want to ask you, why are you here today? Why did you decide that you should come to church to be around other people, singing and worshipping, hearing the word, being taught. Why are you here rather than being anywhere else? What is it that's got you here? Individualism really is a pervading attitude and mindset in Western culture. Uh, In the culture in which we would find ourselves in this nation in particular, Individualism is a big, is a big thing, and, and really individualism is where everything kind of starts with I. It's about me. Uh, we define everything else in relation to me. That's how it works. Because this is a pervading attitude and mindset in the culture in which we live, we have to be aware because this can also impact the way that we view church. We can come approach church with that individualistic, uh, and even that can sometimes go into a consumeristic kind of mindset or attitude. Maybe people will have this sort of attitude that the church is seen as irrelevant because you can be spiritual, you can have a relationship with God without the church. I definitely have heard people saying that, both in, uh, mainly kind of outside the church, but also within, you would hear that. It's about me and God, actually. Don't, don't need the church. Maybe some people might believe that or feel that while church may be a nice part of Christianity, it's not necessary in following Jesus. And actually, we live in a time now uh, with the way that technology has advanced. We can get access to worship songs, podcasts, sermons very, very easily, very, very quickly. We can can actually tailor uh, what we listen to and what we get hold of according to what our preferences are. So we can make sure actually we're connecting in with things that are done the way we like them, hearing the things that we might want to hear, you know. And these things can be very good. 
Absolutely they are. To have access to those things is a wonderful, wonderful gift. But we have to be careful because if that's solely the place we go to, we can feel like we're doing church without needing to leave, without needing to leave our homes or without needing to meet with anyone else. That can happen. I can access worship. I can access sermons. I can access these things. I can kind of do church without needing to go to church or to be with other people. But what I, where I want us to get to this morning is to realise that church is not just nice. Actually, it's necessary. And my title for this morning is, You Need the Church. Let's pick up Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 19 through to verse 25. It says, Brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, so these are the verses we're going to be spending a bit of time exploring today uh, and thinking about, really I want to approach this subject from, from two, two places. And the first one is our identity. And the second thing we're going to look at is about our need. So let's think about our identity. What the writer in Hebrews here in the passage that we are um, that we've been reading, he's talking about full assurance of faith, and he's talking about what Jesus has done. So there was a time if people were, were one, everything in terms of people's access to God was done through a priest. So the priest would stand as a mediator between God and his people. Sacrifices would be done through the priest on behalf of the people. But what the writer in Hebrews is saying is actually Jesus, uh, through his death and resurrection, through his sacrifice for us, he's done away with the old way of, of doing things. And he himself is our great, is our great high priest. In, and, and because he is, it means that we now have access to God. We can come to God in a way that people couldn't come to God before. But it's what Jesus has done for us. Where there is, was once separation, there is now access. And we can stand before God because of what Jesus has done for us. Because of his saving work, we can stand before God with confidence. And... This, the, the, the writer of Hebrews, he talks about having full assurance of faith. And the reason we can have full assurance, the reason we can be so convinced and sure of our faith is because it's not dependent on ourselves. It's not rooted in ourselves. It's entirely dependent on the person and work of Jesus Christ. Last week, James was speaking about how we've been united in Christ. And his, his first point was about our identity as well. This is where our identity is found. We're in him. And really what we've just been looking at in those first few verses in Hebrews is reinforcing that. It's about what Jesus has done for us. We have access to God. We can trust in his promises. We have full assurance of faith because of Jesus, not because of anything that we've done. It's because he's made the way for us. It's because of him that we've been... Uh, it, we've been, uh, been, clean, uh, been cleaned uh, and, and, and made holy to be able to be presented to God. So our identity is in Jesus. Now when you hold this 
up against an individualistic worldview, you're going to get a conflict coming up here. There's a guy named Brian Rosner. He says, in order to know who you are, you have to know whose you are. That's what it is to have our identity in Christ. To know who we are, we have to know whose we are. And if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you are his. Now that means we define everything else in relation to him. And everything else out of the relationship that we have with him. Now in Romans 12 verse 5, this is Paul writing to the church in Rome. He says, in Christ, though many, sorry, in Christ we, so talking about the believers, in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Okay, so if our identity is in Christ, we belong to him. But Paul's saying we belong to God, but we also belong to one another. We belong to our brothers and sisters. We have a connection with them. We have a responsibility to other Christians. Okay, so if we have this mindset where people will say, actually, I I mentioned it earlier, people might say, uh, I can be spiritual, I can have a relationship with God without going to church. Actually, Paul's saying... You belong to Christ, and because you belong to Christ, you belong to your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. This is our identity. In the passage that we read in Hebrews, it's full of plural, corporate, together language. I tried to emphasize it as I was going through. It's about we. It's about us. So the writer, he said, look, this is true of us individually. We have hope, we have full assurance of faith, we have access to God. But when they're writing, they're writing we and us. It's corporate, it's together, it's about community. See, the assurance of faith, the hope in the promises of God, the drawing near to God, it's shared, it's together. Now, church is not a building to go to, as some people might, if you ask people what's church, it's a building. It's not a building to go to. Church is not solely a meeting to attend, it's a family. It's a body to belong to. Now in week one, when we were talking about Jesus and his church, we kind of spent some time on the point that the church is not Jesus' hobby, but rather scripture reveals this beautiful picture of Jesus and the church as a bridegroom to his bride. He is totally committed to her. Okay? So Jesus is totally committed to the church. I want to say this, if the church is important to Jesus... It should be important to us. Technically, it's possible to be a Christian and to not go to church. But it's not what Christians should do. It's not what God's heart is for us. If you've been around me when I'm praying, you've probably heard me say often, and I do say often because it does me good, I thank God for his wisdom in putting us together in family. It's his gift of grace to us. He knows what's good for us. And that's the way he's designed us to be. There's a couple of guys called Tim Chester and Steve Timmis. They wrote a book called Total Church. And in this book they say that we speak the gospel message of reconciliation, unity and identity as the people of God. This is perhaps the most significant culture gap which the church has to bridge. So when we're thinking the culture which we live in is this individualistic worldview, actually there's a gap there. 
that the church needs to bridge because the gospel message is one of reconciliation, unity and identity as the people of God. You've been saved into a family. And this is why we start here today. This is why we're talking about our identity because we belong to God and if we belong to God then we belong to one another. And being able to live in community with other Christians is God's gift of grace to us. Amen? So... Our identity, let's also think about our need. Now, so there is a challenge to the importance of belonging to church today. People would have varying opinions on that. Actually, there's a challenge. Is it important to belong to a church today? But it's not a new challenge. It's not something that's just suddenly come along in the culture in which we live or because technology's advanced. Actually, the writer of Hebrews had, of Hebrews had to challenge the mindset as evidently some of the believers at that time were neglecting to meet together. They, they say it fairly explicitly in what they've written. Let's reread again, verses 24 to 25. They, they write, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, God's grace And his purpose in calling us to live in community, to be those who meet together, is that we would be encouraged. And there's a reason why we need to be encouraged, and that's because we're needy. And I don't mean that in a kind of weak sort of neediness, but we are all needy. We need to be encouraged. I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded often Because I can forget things fairly easily and I need other people around me to remind me of the truth of who God is and the truth of who he's called us to be. We need to be cared for, don't we? We need to be challenged sometimes. But not only are we needy, we're also needed. Your church needs you. There is a contribution that for you to make in the life of your church. In a few weeks' time, we're actually going to be looking at the title for in two weeks' time will be Your Church Needs You. Okay, so this week it's You Need the Church. In two weeks' time, it's going to be Your Church Needs You as well. And we see this in the dynamic of what's written in these verses here. It's about togetherness, isn't it? It's you you are needy, you need to be encouraged. You need to be stirred up. You need someone to be able to consider how to stir you to love and good works. At the same time, we all have a role to play in that as well. You are needed because someone else is going to need to hear the encouragement that you have. Someone else is going to need uh, for you to use the gifts that God has given you for their good and to build them up. Andrew Wilson, he's written a book called God's Stories. It's a brilliant book. I'd just like to read a, a short passage out of here. Because it really helpfully gets the, the whole thing of identity and need coming together. He says that the church is an outpost of God's empire. It's a community of God's people whose passport is stamped heaven. So it's our identity. But who continue to live in a foreign land, earth, with the aim of making that foreign land more like home. We take heaven seriously and we live with different aims and different values from the people around us. We also take our citizenship seriously. So instead of hiding under the bed and waiting for rescue, we live in the world with the intention of changing it. We are there to take the empire or the kingdom of God everywhere we go while we wait for the emperor 
to come. We were singing, weren't we, about the coming, the coming king. Amen. Notice also the small word R. You and I share our citizenship in heaven with lots of other people who have the same passports we do. And that's an important part of this God story. Living in a foreign country is exhausting and sometimes discouraging. So God designed the local church. Little outposts of heaven scattered throughout the world where people who share the same passports can regroup, speak their home language and encourage and equip one another as missionaries to the world around them. Mission is hard and these outposts are vital for the citizens of heaven. So from the earliest days of the church, Christians planted local churches because for citizens of heaven, they are the most empowering and refreshing places on earth. That's why God has given us the church. That's why God has given us one another. You know, we can download and listen to worship songs, sermons and teaching. It's good. I do it. It does me good. But church is more than just songs and teaching. And actually, those things are corporate things that we do together. You see, in church, we share in communion. We did that last week. That's about, that's about unity, isn't it? Being together. In church, we welcome new brothers and sisters in baptism. We pray together. We confess to one another. We get alongside those, those who are hurting. We serve one another. We encourage one another. You have to be surrounded by people or among people to, to really, I don't think benefit's the right word, but, but yeah, to benefit from all of those things that we need. We're involved in each other's lives. And because we're involved in each other's lives, church is messy. Because none of us are perfect. We're all on a journey. Christian life is a journey. It's a process of becoming more and more like Jesus. And it means that along the way we still get things wrong. I was um, at to scribble this in pen on my notes because I came across this quote on Twitter uh, last night. It was Spurgeon who said this. He said, the reason why I cast my lot in with the people of God, I said to myself, there is one among them who whatever faults they may have is so fair and so lovely that he more than makes up for all their imperfections. My Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of his people. This is where Jesus is. He's among his people. And church can be messy, but that's because we're meant to be in each other's lives. Because we need one another. But what is needed is effort, intentionality and, <coughs> and grace. That's what we need. We're Faversham Community Church. That's our name. Faversham Community Church. We're a community together. We're a family. Brothers and sisters united in Jesus. But we're also here to love and to serve our community. So that's our name. But it's more than just a name. Community has to be a lifestyle. It's not just a name. It has to be a lifestyle. And in our statement of kind of who we are and, and who we're, we're looking to be, we say that we're a church who loves Jesus and we're committed to growing in and serving our community through joyful unity, certain faith, dynamic gifting. James picked up on this last week. When he said, we, our starting point is our identity is in Jesus. We're a church who loves Jesus. He's the one who's called us together. We're in Christ. 
Because we're united to him, we're united to one another, but we're also committed to certain things, and we're committed to one another, and we need one another. If I'm not necessarily trying to take the scope too narrow by looking just at unity, faith, uh, and gifting, but these were things that came to mind if we said, actually, this is the kind of church that we're looking to be and looking to grow in these things. Actually, it's worth considering because we need one another to be growing in and serving in these things. Let's think about unity. How can you grow in unity if you're not among God's people? You can't have unity on your own. Not in the se- I, I disagree with myself a lot. I'm not talking about that sort of, uh, you can't have it because of that. I do tend to, it's going to say fall out with myself. That sounds very drastic. Um, but unity doesn't grow if you're on your own. Being on your own isn't unity. Actually, being on your own is isolation. And in some ways, in many ways, unity is something we really have to strive for because life is messy and being in each other's lives is messy. Life may be simpler if we were to separate ourselves from others, but then we're isolating ourselves. And being isolated actually puts you in a very vulnerable position, puts you in a vulnerable situation. I know for myself that if I withdraw from people, I'm putting myself in a vulnerable situation because I need people to come alongside me and to remind me and to encourage me and to strengthen me. uh, We had a conversation in growth group a few weeks ago and someone in our group was sharing about how they know, they've had periods of time where they've been out of church for whatever reason and they were saying, actually, I know that my walk with Jesus changes because I don't have people around me to encourage me as I'm walking it was really helpful to be able to to share about that with one another and it makes you realize actually we really do need to be looking out for one another and and sharing life together I thought it was great when James led us in communion last week he encouraged us to take communion with someone that we wouldn't ordinarily share communion with actually that's what it is to be one in Christ my tendency And I have to be aware of this. My tendency is to gravitate to people who I'm close to already because it's safe for me and it's comfortable for me. And the reality is, within whatever context you're talking about, you will have people who you you are closer to. There will be people who you are better friends with than others. That's the way it is, and it's right that you will have people that you're closer to. But for me, I have to be careful. And actually for a church, and I'm not just saying about this church because I'm not, but I'm saying the church in general has to be careful to avoid kind of cliques getting cliquey. And this is no way a criticism. This is an encouragement to us because I know this is God speaking to me here as well. We need to avoid those cliques because we need to be welcoming, get, getting alongside, sharing life with people. We don't want people to drift to the fringes. We don't want people to stay on the fringes. We want people to get fully involved in the life of the church because it's good for them. To be in there. So there's a challenge for me. Actually, I don't want people to drift or not to get in. I'm like, actually, there's a part for me to play for every single person in the church. I've got to be ready for God to use me in that. So I just put that out there for us. Now, some people might not be able to meet together. They might go, be going through different seasons of life where actually meeting with other believers isn't always possible. It could be for health. 
could be situation actually they're just needing some time out because being in church is, uh, is too painful for them for that season of life but what I want to ask us is how do we encourage and get alongside these folk as well because we don't want people to be isolated so it's about unity what about faith if we're in church we can surround ourselves with people who will encourage us to keep following Jesus through all seasons and all circumstances. We need people to encourage us to do that. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in the midst of a season, I find it very hard to look beyond. I can be a bit blinkered because I'm so taken up with where I'm at. Actually, can sometimes take someone coming in, coming alongside me to help me to see beyond that and to point me to Jesus in that. We also need people who will point us back to rely on Jesus, even when we think we can get by on our own. And then we need people to say, actually, are you, where are you looking? Are you relying on yourself or are you looking to Jesus? That will help us to grow in faith because we're taking our eyes off of ourselves and fixing our eyes back onto Jesus. We also need people who, when things are tough, possibly even hopeless, we need people who will encourage us to have faith. And we need to be reminded often, I said that earlier, we need to be people who remind one another of the truths of the scriptures, of what God has done. I love it when we share stories about what God has done with one another. It does us good. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is calling us to. <coughs> Let's stir one another up. Let's encourage one another. And what about gifting? I'm not going to say much more on this apart from in 1 Corinthians 14, 12. It says, since you are eager for gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Spiritual gifts are for the good of the church. They're for the building up of the church. If we want to be a family who are growing individually and corporately in gifts, then we have to be among the people to be able to grow in those gifts. The gifts that you have are for the good of your church. You need my gifts. I need your gifts. Now I've been at, uh, it seems like I've been at a lot of conferences recently. It's kind of conference season uh, and there's been a lot going on. And I, I love going to conferences. They always do me good. It's great to be away, to be with uh, other brothers and sisters from different contexts, uh, being taught, being worshipping together. They are wonderful, but they are additions. They're, they're supplements. I can't rely on those alone. Because what happens is after a few weeks or a few months, what, and I don't, I'm not being cynical, this is just my, my experience, and I know it would be an experience of lot, where you initially come out feeling kind of fired up and infused. Over time, those things will dim. That's the way it works. They will. So we can't rely on those sorts of times. They are great. But what I need is consistent Christian community. I need consistent Christian community. I need you. Church. I need you. I'm saying this as a leader who, who God has given me the grace to uh, have a responsibility of overseeing and caring for you. I need you. I need you because I want to last the course. I need you because I want to endure to the end. And I know that Christian endurance is worked out in community. Verse 24, that passage we were reading, the writer says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And I've been really struck 
by those first words. Let us consider. Let us consider. Each one of us is to consider the body. Each one of us is to think, to allow God to speak to us, to allow God to use us. This is not just up to to one or two people saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. Actually, the writer is very clear. Let us consider how we can stir one another up to love and good works. It's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of living. So church, actually, there's a responsibility on each one of us to consider how you can be stirring someone else up to love and good works. And I'm not saying we do this, but we can sometimes sit back and think, maybe someone else will do it. Someone else will come up with a good idea. Someone else will share something that will encourage someone. Actually, each one of us should be having that mindset of, let us consider how we can be stirring one another up. A few weeks ago, I sent an email out. Hopefully it got to people, if you're on the email list, about being community. Uh, how we can encourage one another. Just gave a few ideas. These are ways in which we can be connecting in with, with each other, looking out for one another, encouraging one another. And I can, st- I can stand here and I can encourage you today. I can send you emails to encourage you and to exhort you. But I can't make you do it. Nor should I. should never get to a point where you're being manipulated or forced into doing something. I would never, ever want to do that. What I want to do in sending those things out and in what I'm doing today is to encourage you and to exhort you to consider actually what is church meant to be like and what part do you have to play in that. When I stand up and speak or teach, whatever we're talking about, if I'm sending out emails, exhorting and encouraging you, when I do this, the first person I should be looking for a response from is me. Likewise, it's something that each of us needs to decide for ourselves. Let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works. I can't make you do it. Each one of us needs to make that decision for ourselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, he wrote in, in Life Together, He says, this is just brilliant. I love this. He says, it is by the grace of God that the congregation is permitted to gather visibly in this world to share God's word and sacrament. Not all Christians receive this blessing. The imprisoned, the sick, the scattered and lonely, the proclaimers of the gospel in heathen lands stand alone. It is true, of course, that what is an unspeakable gift of God for the lonely individual is easily disregarded and trodden underfoot by those who have the gift every day. It is easily forgotten that the fellowship of Christian brethren is a gift of grace, a gift of the kingdom of God, and that any day it may be taken from us, that the time that still separates us from utter loneliness may be brief indeed. Therefore, let him who until now has had the privilege of living a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him, let him thank God on his knees and declare it's grace. Nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brethren. We live in a nation 
and at a time where we can meet freely with really very little, if any, restriction on that. And it's quite easy if we, whatever we're talking about, if we have gifts every day, we can... um, It's quite easy to disregard it and not really realise quite what you've got. This might sound like a silly little example, but our hot water, when when, when the, the weather started heating up and we started playing around with the heating settings, uh, the central heating, shut that off, but then the hot water's not been having trouble getting the hot water going. And I don't mean to downplay what I'm talking about with the church, but you realise when you haven't got that access of what you're used to, you realise how easy it is to take things for granted. And that's us with the, not having the hot water. That's just a really simple sort of everyday example. But it actually, it's true. We just take it for granted. I'm going to go to the tap, turn on the, yeah, I've got my hot water. And until that's taken away, you're like, oh, hang on. I've really taken it for granted. Let's not be a, uh, sorry, not let's not. Let's be a people who give thanks to God for his grace that allows us to live in community. Who knows what the future is going to bring? We don't know what the future is going to bring for us but as we're free to meet together and allow to live in community we need to be a people who give God thanks to his grace that enables us to do that coming in to to finish verse 25 says um, let us consider how to stir one another up to longer works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What he's talking about there is uh, that Jesus is going to be coming back. We've spent a lot of time thinking about that over recent weeks, particularly in our series in 1 Thessalonians. A lot of that was focusing on Jesus' return. And they're saying here, do these things. Don't neglect to meet. Consider how to stir one another up. Encourage one another up. All the more... As the day is drawing near. So it's saying actually this is something that we need to be growing in. This is something that we need to keep investing in. We need to, so we need to keep growing. We need to keep investing. We need to keep loving. We need to keep serving. We need to keep considering. We need to keep meeting. That is God's grace to you. That is God's grace to us. May we have the band up. We're going to uh, head back into a time of worship. Just for a song or two. It would be great to give... God thanks for his grace and his kindness to us. Just while they're getting ready. Um, I think James used this last week as well. John 13, 34 to 35. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, to his followers. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we need the church because of our identity. We need the church because of our need, but we also need the church because of our witness. Jesus says that there's something about the way in which believers should be with one another. There should be something about the relationship between brothers and sisters within the church that their relationships themselves should show the world that they are his. 
The relationships among us in the church should speak a message to the world about who we belong to. See, beloved, a significant part of our witness and impact will be due to the relationships that we demonstrate. Sam Albury, in his book, Why Bother with Church, he says that Jesus' expectation is that the kind of love that we have for one another will be found nowhere else on earth. This means that to not be a part of the, of the church is to miss out on one of the most powerful evangelistic tools that God has given us. So I want to finish just by repeating from that quote from Bonhoeffer that says, let us thank God and declare that it is grace and nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in community with Christian brothers and sisters. Well, I invite you to stand. I'd love us to come and worship. It's a great way for us to give thanks and praise to Jesus for who he is and for what he's done. I'll just pray for us and then uh, come back to a time of worship. I also want to encourage you today, if you feel like actually I need some encouragement, I need someone to come alongside, I need someone to encourage me, care for me. I know I'm in a place where I, I don't want to be walking through this by myself. I need to just get someone else alongside me. This is a great time, church. When we gather together on a Sunday morning, it's, there are so many opportunities for us to serve and to love one another. Said it's not just about the songs we sing. It's not just about the message we receive. Actually, there are many ways in which we can love one another and we can serve one another. If you feel, actually, I could really do with that encouragement. Either come to the front and I would love to pray for you or we can get some others to pray for you or get hold of someone near you and you just, if you want to just share with what's going on, maybe get them to pray for you. Uh, just to be able to, or just someone to listen to what you're going through. This is a great time to do it. So may I encourage you to do that. Don't leave this morning feeling like I know I could have done with getting someone alongside, but I didn't go for it. Actually, get hold of someone. We're here for each other, aren't we? We're a family. We're here to love one another. We're here to serve one another. We're here to support one another. This isn't a theory thing. It's, I don't, what I don't want for us as a church, if people were to say, what's church meant to be like? Well, we're meant to do this, we're meant to do this, we're meant to do this. This is what we're like. Are we living it? If we're here just for theory, then we are missing something massive. We need to be living it out as well. And I really don't want any of what I've said today to come along as a condemning sort of a, a heaviness. Actually... I, I'm excited about the church. God's doing something in me where I feel passionate about the church in a way I don't know if I have done. 
And I want you to be encouraged about who God is calling us to be, about what he's done and what he's doing, but also about what he's looking to do in us and through us. But we each have a part to play. So church, let's not just know the right answers. Let's be living it out. Let's be demonstrating it. Let's be working it out. So let's come and worship. There's opportunity to receive prayer, to pray for one another. Either come up to the front, grab hold of someone near you, and ask them to pray. It'd be a really, really great way for us to respond. Amen? Thank you.